And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on The Voice of Reason. Today is June the 8th, another Thursday edition of The Voice of Reason. My name is Andy Van Beber, and I'm joined by Travis Kirkendall. And your eyes do not deceive you. Down there in the bottom left-hand corner is local big Pike, big-time big, big future presidential candidate, Alex Ellison, uh who is our Pike County prosecuting attorney for his second term, you know, and, you know, it's, it, it's such a difficult position though. We know how hard he works to get that job and, you know. Yeah. That election season was pretty rough last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think it's safe to say I owe my reelection to my appearances on the voice of reason. <laughs> well, Let's not let's not get silly. Um, we'll you know we'll we'll let that get away. But uh, Sean uh, couldn't. I wanted Sean to. Sean is actually less than thirty minutes away from me right now. But his sister, congratulations to Leanne Dugan, who delivered twins yesterday. Very healthy babies, and uh, Sean and Tony are babysitting everybody. So Sean said, I can't do a podcast and have kids running about my feet and everything like that. So, you know, but it it gives us the opportunity to invite on the counselor. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, We uh, we're I'm actually really excited because tomorrow, well, Saturday, we will all be together at our friend's wedding. I will be DJing. Travis and Sean will be uh, will be uh, in the wedding, and we were just informed that, that uh, Alex will be there. So we're just, I mean, we're just beyond blessed. So it's going it's going to be a great weekend, and uh, I may have to go get a school bus so I can designate dri- be a designated driver for like however many people are going to be in that wedding party. But you know. <sighs> Someone's got to do it, right? You're right. You know, and I'll just, I'll just try to explain that one to the school district, how the tax dollars, taxpayers' dollars will be put to good work and everything. But uh, it is, It's a pretty good cause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will tell you, Travis, today, I, I, you, you inspired me, and then I got uninspired really quick. I had to clean out the gutters on my shed. I was up <laughs> 15 feet in the air. My shed actually sits taller than my house does, and it's at a steeper pitch. And I think I crapped myself a little bit when I was up there, and I'm thinking, my buddy Travis does this every day. But, of course, you're also strapped in. You've got like a gazillion straps on you and everything, and you're probably a lot safer than what I was when I did this. So, But I was just like, you can keep that job. There's no way that I want that. I could even handle anything like that. But, <laughs> oh, jeez. So, it's safer than it looks, I promise. So say you. Alex, how have you been? Tell us what's going on in in the uh, life of the Pike County prosecuting attorney and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's good. You know, just uh, got a couple little boys to raise. And uh, in the meantime, when I'm not busy with that, I'm putting bad guys behind bars. So, you know, not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is, that is fantastic. That is, and uh, you're basically the fat man of Pike County. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> there it is that's it right there um so 
And you will also notice something new tonight. Scrolling across the screen, whenever we have people who who uh, who scroll in and say, well, how can I find you guys on... So you will see all of our, where we are located. I didn't actually put everything on there, but we are now on, we are now officially on TikTok. Uh, we are on Facebook. We are on YouTube. Those are the main places. You can also go to uh, Instagram, but uh, Travis is actually the Instagram guru amongst us all, but uh, I am not. I my- am not at all. <laughs> Every time you send me something though, it's on, it's on Instagram though. Well, Instagram is the one I use most, but I would not say I'm a guru at it. Well, okay, you're, you're you are correct. I I, I fall. I, I can't take that kind of credit. I can't. Okay, okay. So, and Alex, I actually was thinking of you the other day. I was I was uh, taking I was taking my lunch and I was scrolling through the channels and I watched my cousin Vinny and I. Oh, yes. Have you have you have you watched that movie before? I've watched That's a great movie. And I will say this. Um, my evidence professor in law school says it is, and, it, and I, I agree. Now, now being a trial attorney myself, it is by far the most accurate legal movie ever made. Shut up! It is really. Not, you're talking about trial procedure, rules of evidence, pre-trial procedure. It is spot on. <laughs> wow! I yeah, not to mention it's just a highly. It's just. It's just highly entertaining. Oh yeah, I love Joe Pesci in there. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have guessed it was that accurate though, like a portrayal of like a trial. Uh, yes, yes, that's, that's pretty. That's, 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 that's some that, cool. That's I'm awesome. That's exactly how trials go. Oh my! It makes God. me appreciate that movie even more. <laughs> yeah, that I, I, I was, I was watching that, and I've watched that. I don't know how many times I've seen that movie, but it's just like you know, seeing Ralph Macchio and something other than Karate Kid, and then he's in there, and then it's just like how everything was done, and. So that was, it was, it was pretty interesting. It was, uh, but I, every time I watch that movie, I, I think of, I'm just like, eh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So since we're talking legal issues, let's talk about, bring up the, the title of tonight's show is how to really rig a vote. And I'm sure people who are tuning in are thinking, okay, now wait a minute. Is this going to be one of those conspiracy theories and Trump? And no, actually it's not because this. We're saving that one for next week. <laughs> yes. So we uh, were, we actually, uh, this has been a practice that's been going on for, for years. And this is a practice that is actually called uh, gerrymandering. Gerrymandering, people are like, okay, I know whenever I mention it in, in my, in my class and everything, kids kind of look at me cross-eyed. Well, that's a weird word. Are you just making that word up? And I'm kind of like, no, that's, you know, that's an actual term. That's, you know, we are. It's something that people do. And so what gerrymandering basically is, is rigging an election, drawing up election districts to um, to to favor a certain party. And usually, usually these districts are drawn up based upon various factors, socioeconomic, uh, racial, um, and th- those, are the, those are the two biggest ones. And uh, the reason why we're mentioning this is that today the Supreme Court ruled on the Allen is a case called Allen versus Mulligan. And this was a case that basically was brought before the Supreme Court uh, from the from the state of Alabama. And this was basically how the Republicans were going to redraw after the 20 I, I don't know if it was after 2022 or after the 2020 election. I couldn't find that, but they had recently redrawn the districts in, 
in um, in Alabama in such a way they were planning on doing it in such a way that was basically going to um, how do you want to say to to basically discriminate against African Americans to where they were going to be divided up and they wouldn't get a fair vote. So Alabama, just for those who wonder, Alabama has traditionally been a red state. And so what's going to happen, you know, is going to, and this is going to send, this is, this is going to send a message to the rest of the states to basically say, okay, you guys have, this has got to stop. But we'll talk about this case first and then we'll get it kind of into gerrymandering a little bit uh, more. Um, I'll read this, what the, a uh, little bit from the case itself. And what was the first thing I'm going to point out it to this is how this how the decision came down. So right now, if you look at the Supreme Court, we have six who are considered to be who are six are six Republican nominated judges um, to the Supreme Court. Chief Justice John Roberts is a. I don't know if I, I, Alex, I don't know if you know too much about him, but I, I would consider John Roberts more of a moderate than I would a really a, a conservative judge. How would you? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, at least in legal circles, he's kind of known as conservative leaning, but more than anything, he's not looking to shake up the status quo. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and so John Roberts, and the one that surprised me was Brett Kavanaugh, who was a Trump appointee. Brett John John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh sided with the three liberal judges on the Supreme Court. Um, I can't think of the anyway, but the uh, Sonia my uh, Sonia. Um, oh God. Anyway, the those guys sided with those guys sided with the three liberal judges, and it was a five four split. And so this, like I said, this case was called Allen versus Mulligan. And so when they wrote the majority opinion, um, one of the things that came out of the majority opinion on this case was, okay, we're going to set up a rule. And this was, this was kind of a, this was going to be a message to other states. Okay. So they set up this three prong test and here's, here's how the test is broken down. Number one, there. Well, before anything, they're going to look at it. Overall, is the way you're setting up this voting district is this set? A, are you setting it up to where it's going to be discriminatory in practice? Okay. So the number one part of this pro, of this test is you have to show that you have a large group of minorities in that district. Okay. So when you drop your districts on a congressional map, it has to be you have to have a large number of minorities in that district. It, and again, depending on you know, how they, I mean, in Iowa, it's not going to be an Iowa map. Is, is there not a, be, is there a baseline or is that specific on the district? Uh, that was, I think it's based upon, I think, I think it's based it's, off the district, it's after right? the, it, basically it's, it, it comes out of what your, your census numbers. So what your census numbers, oh, okay. They go off the census. So they're going to go off the census numbers and it's going to be based upon how, you know, how how they're going to be drawn up. And then when they say discriminatory, they're going back to the uh, Voting Rights Act of 1968. In Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of 1968, basically, you're not going to discriminate against black voters. 
Okay. And so, so that, so number one, you have to show that you have a large group of, uh, of a minority in that district. Number two, now this is where it gets kind of, this is where we're going to start a discussion at. Number two, that, that large group votes similarly, and they will base that upon the previous, uh, you know, election numbers. Okay. And then the number three thing is there is a white group that also within that district that votes similarly. So right off the top, I, what, what, when you look at these, these, and Alex, we'll start with you. When you look at these three, I mean, is this legally f feasible or is this, I mean, is this making the problem worse, better? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the, the natural problem with a lot of what the Supreme court does um, and, it, and it's just an inherent thing in the Supreme Court system. They kind of just make these rules up. Um, how, how they get to these rules is they, they look at a statute, like in this case, the Voting Rights Act, um, and it gives pretty vague language. And then it's up to them to come up with these tests. And I mean, those of us who went to law school, we see these tests all the time. Um, and they're kind of just pulled out of thin air. Um, and something like this, it, it, you know, you really start to think about if you really want to tackle the issue of gerrymandering, I guess you got to start somewhere with some sort of criteria. Um, but these kind of things, you know, I, I worry when I see these kind of tests that they can be used in both directions. They can be used to manipulate districts. However, however you want the end goal to be, they can be used. Um, and that is what worries me. Well, and when I when I go when uh, well Travis what do you th what's your thoughts on this Travis? Um, <clears throat> I mean it seems like he made a good point about what he's worried about with uh, how this can be used and abused. And I mean we were pulling up articles before this of like this isn't the first example of this happening. And quite there's some pretty ridiculous looking maps if you look at like states that have like gerrymandering. This like this is nothing new, mm -hmm. and it's on both sides of the of the aisle here. Um, as far as I read, a, I read a stat and I don't know how we get into this, but I read a stat that showed that the percentage of Georgia residents, uh, one article said was 27% African-American, one said 31%. So roughly 25%, 20 to 30% of your population is black voters. And to my knowledge, this what they were trying to what they uh, what they're going to do is give a, a they're reshaping the districts so that another district that's majority black gets more of a say. Am I am I, am I on the right path here with that? Yeah, v or yeah yeah yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little confused reading into this myself, and I I guess I can see why they would do it if you look like if you look at the percentages but that's what the articles show you mm -hmm. um so i guess i i can kind of see the as a way of making it fair but i can also see the issues with it as well, well and i don't know good what, what do you what do you what are your thoughts on like do you think that the court made the right decision yes or no and shooting this guy? Oh. There, I I can go I can go both ways with this. I'm I'm still a little iffy on how I am. I feel about uh, it. And I'd and, like to hear and your and Alex, I, I will get your view on this too. You yeah. kind of already said it there, but 
Um, there is no when you well. Let me show. Let me show this 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 graphic I have just to give people a basic idea of how gerrymandering works. When you look at it, those sorry, those who are listening on Spotify, you, you just have to look. But this this example that I'm using right here, okay. So if you look at it, so you have 50 precincts. Let's just say you have 50 precincts, okay. 60% are blue, 40% are red, okay? When you divide it up equally like that, okay? So the blue would have the advantage, all right? But I can draw this up to where it would just be five districts, okay? Five blue, five blue-dominated districts, zero red-dominated districts, blue wins, okay? Then you, so this third one here, this third one here then is, uh, you have, okay, again, five districts, okay? Three red two blue red wins all right so in any in any situation i don't think there's there's no there's no good way to look at the, at drawing a fair election district unless you're in a you know your wyoming's north dakota's uh iowa nebraska kansas you know, predominantly white states, or if you go to, but when you go to these predominantly black states, or not, I should say there's a larger, there's a larger number of African American in these states, you know, how, how do you draw a fair district? So now, and as Alex said earlier, when you, when you, when you put this test out there, and there are numbers, I mean, I, you know, I teach a number of Supreme Court cases in in my court in my class, and there's a number of you know, a lot of these cases establish, you know, these tests that, as Alex says, it's based upon past cases, case law, stuff like that, and you know, I don't I don't want anybody's vote not to count, and. You have to have congressional districts for Congress, so you have the right representation in the House of Representatives. You have to be sure that that district is represented fairly. But as a whole, then, you say, okay, how do we keep it to where, you know, how do we keep it to where it's going to be fair that Republicans and Democrats both have a fair chance of winning an election in a certain area? You know, because this is basically, this what this comes down to is control of the House. The Senate doesn't matter because it takes the state as a whole. You know, you take your, your, you know, your overall votes for whoever. Your presidential election doesn't matter because it's, again, taken as a who wins the, who wins the overall, you know, in, in a state election, you can win by one vote or a million votes. You still get all the electoral votes for that state. But in a congressional district, having to draw that up to where it's going to be fair to me, is an impossible task. And when you put these three, to me, these three things are near impossible, I think, to fulfill. I don't know. Alex, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it is really tough. Um, and one thing I think to keep in mind is, um, if you remember about, about the same time Alabama instituted the, this map that got challenged, Missouri Republicans were having an internal debate about possibly doing the same thing. Um, currently, we have eight congressional districts in Missouri. Mm -hmm. 
two of which are are democratically held um, and represented by actually both black Democrats. And they were, the state Republicans in Missouri were really close to passing a map that would eliminate Emmanuel Cleaver's Kansas City district, com combining it with others and diluting the vote enough so that we would have seven, um, seven Democratic districts in Missouri. And it was, I mean, it was really close. And the Republicans at the last second decided that wasn't fair. And, and you think about it, it's really not fair. I mean, if, for example, if, I mean, in, even in a state like Missouri, 40, 40 to probably 45% of our state votes Democratic in a presidential election. But, um, and, and, and what's interesting to note on that, though, is where are those, you, and I mean, I've looked at the, I've looked at the map over and over and over and over again. I mean, it's predominantly Columbia area, St. Louis, and Kansas City. Yeah, it's your big rural areas. No, urban. It's your, yeah, your bigger, your yeah, your urban, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your ur urban areas. So I mean, don't listen to me. I'm not the expert. Here. So what? What? How do you see? How's Missouri? What do you think Missouri is going to do to approach this? How the, How are they going to address this issue? Do you think? Since we're yeah. we're republicanly controlled, everything. I mean, it's a, I the the Republicans like for example last fight. The reason we didn't institute a map like Alabama did was because, um, in my opinion, some of the more mature Republicans realized that, hey, this probably isn't the best thing. It's going to get challenged. We're going to become the center of attention in the nation. We don't want it. Um, so they they passed a much more balanced map. Um, but, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's really hard, um, and I, I don't know what the answer is, um, because right now, the most states, we have a system where some type of elected politician or group of politicians are who draw the maps for congressional districts. Well, um, let's bring up, let me bring up the, out, so I'll bring up, and again, sorry, the tra Travis mentioned this too, so we can look at some of the most, what's considered to be, so this is from uh, Fulcrum, dot us and these are the 12 the the 12 worst gerrymandered districts in this is as we said was 20 this was 2020 right travis we said was it 2020 yeah the one article i found the one assisted 12 most ridiculous yeah. so yeah this so, was a 2020 so this is so here's so here's how alabama is drawn up and i'll see if i can get my arrow over here on the screen i don't know if it'll show up on no it probably won't but if you look at okay so you have these these two districts here, the two large districts, which are, you know, it was, it was the red districts. Okay. But then you have, so when you look at the seventh, what's called the seventh district of Alabama, and this is why, you know, why this, why this, this, why the Republicans want to redraw this. It says, so the seventh district, it says the seventh district is living proof that racial gerrymandering is partisan gerrymandering and vice versa. It is a, heavily democratic and gives off several narrow and you look at this it fingers off to the south and to the north okay including far off birmingham okay so there's the little finger that reaches up to the north there includes birmingham okay um in this in the senate election the last senate election it, uh, this democrat senator doug jones won the state by popular vote by 1.5 percentage points yet 
the only district he carried was the 7th district, which is 63% African American. Okay? And it says, without these con when contortions, this site says, Alabama's 7-member House district delegation quite possibly have a second Democratic and potentially black member in addition to who they already have. And so, and Alabama has a state, basically it's, they have a 25, according to the last, uh, to the 2020, yeah, to the 2020 uh, census, has a 25% black population with a 34% Democratic vote in, two th in, in 2020, okay? So you do that math. That is how some, you know, some, how it works in, Al in Alabama. And so was this a knee-jerk reaction, you know, because because of the control in the house i think so um but the one that i want to really and this is this this one hits home with uh if i can scroll up here to it uh is in chicago imagine that travis that yeah uh, i saw that Matt. that one's okay. i know those neighborhoods <laughs> so that's interesting so this is let me bring this one up here so this is and for those of you who are watching there this that little blue area there if you will see how that district runs okay so this is the illinois fourth district and it's called they actually nickname it sideways earmuffs with part parts only the width of a city street so there's parts of this district that are are as take up a city block street wide and narrow okay and and so very specific too yeah 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 and so <laughs> It is, and it's, it's, it's not an automatic district that's just generated. It's a gerrymandered district. Um, the force unusual shape connects two Hispanic and solidly Democratic communities, combining them. Big time. And combining them allows Latinos in the city to have equal opportunity to participate in the political process. Okay, I get that. But after this district was created, its voters elected Luis Gutierrez as the first Hispanic member of Congress from the Midwest. When he retired, uh, what was it, four years ago, the voter's the voter successor, and who is currently, is Jesus Chuy Garcia. Okay, so what what's the biggest challenge here? The biggest challenge is how do you get equal? And and Alex said it perfectly. I mean, what's our so what's what's the solution to this? Because you're never going, in my opinion, you're never going to have a fair shake. I mean, is there, I mean, can you guys, what's your guys' thoughts on this? Is there any true way to say, okay, we're going to divide this straight down the middle? I mean, we're just going to go boom, 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 boom. I mean, what, what could be the problem? I mean, what kind of issues do you guys see here? I mean, it's, it's not really a cookie cutter solution, I don't feel like, because like every every community, every district, I mean, they, it's kind of what we already touched on. I mean, you have different races, ethnicities, religions, you name it, right? So how do you make that? How do you even that out? Um, I mean, obviously, looking at voting demographics and reshaping that way can it gets skewed a little bit. I mean, look at Chicago and. There's a very – I can tell you I know those neighborhoods. There's a very specific reason 4th District is shaped like a C. It's very specific. So 
I don't, I, it's a tough one. Cause I was going to ask you guys what you thought a solution was. Cause I, quite frankly, I don't, I don't know if he just divided up. I say if he just picked a state and divided up in like six or eight different pieces, is that still a, a good representation of the people of those districts? Alex, what, should... if, what if it is more of the other, you know, like, how do you, how does that balance it out? Alex, yeah. You, I mean, <laughs> I think it is something that politicians and government leaders have been struggling with for 250 years now, um, <laughs> because you, you, you can't just equally divide up a state geographically because, um, you know, that would, that would hurt people in more condensed populated zones um they they wouldn't get the same representation if if um as somebody in a rural area would and so you you've got to do it by population and if you're doing it by population that means you can't you can't just follow traditional county lines or city limits um or say everything north of the mississippi gets this district um it's it's got to be by population and by just by nature, you're going to have to manipulate those zones just a little bit to make the populations as close as possible. Um, and, you know, I actually think maybe the system we have now is probably the best where you let politicians do it. And if they get too far afoot, somebody can sue and let, you know, the Supreme Court step in and slap them down. Um, I think as, and this might sound silly, but I think as technology progresses, um, I think art of use, utilizing artificial intelligence, um, you know, you, you, you plug into chat GPT, the cr criteria you want for your state's districts and you let them figure it out and they do it in an unbiased <laughs> way. Now, well, know, it's probably going to be that's a, a fair solution, but yeah. When you look at, and I, I just, I'm right now, I'm working on getting the map ready here. I'm going to, so we're mentioning Missouri. So, uh, <clears throat> so right. Uh, okay, here we go. So, so this is, this is Missouri's congressional district map. Okay. Uh, district. So you have, when you look at the map. Okay. So currently uh, we live Pike County where, where the podcast originates where we're, where I'm headquartered at here anyway, uh, we're district six. Okay. And it basically, if you go by the way, if you follow it, I mean, there's part of it. looks like it follows the Missouri river for part of it. Um, and then it just, it's drawn by drawn on, uh, counties, county lines. Okay. Um, when you get to the fourth, you know, fourth district and so on and so forth. So the third district, our third district here, is kind of an interesting mix because of the fact you have you have Cole County, uh, what uh, what county is um, Jefferson City in? Is that that's Cole County? That's Cole County. So Columbia then is in, um, I guess. Boone. Boone. Yeah, Boone. Okay. So between Cole and so Cole County goes in into one district. The northern half of Boone goes into another district, and it, you can, it kind of sees out there. But then you look at District Two. District Two is pretty much west, western, western St. Louis, and 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 out in that way. And then District One is St. Louis City. District Five is 
pretty much, and you see how it kind of fingers up there, is, is Kansas City. So, you know, and then the rest of the state is, you know, divided up how it is. I think... I think our districts are, are, are done to, you know, but when you look at, when you look at all these districts, you look at who, okay. So the first district right now is, is our infamous Corey Bush. You, I'm sure you guys have heard about Corey Bush. She's come up many times and stuff she said about the president in the past. And she's, she's run her mouth quite a few times, but she's, you know, very democratic. But then you get into, what is uh, district number five, district number five, which is Kansas City. Again, Emmanuel, well, like you said, Emmanuel Cleaver, who has, he was elected back in, what, 2004? I believe it was 2004 was when he was elected. You know, and it's, but again, it's drawn to favor, you know, I and I think our map, and I think our, our map is, is, is drawn to, to, you know, to basically make sure that everybody has an equal voice because then when you get in these other districts, you know, our for our histor- for our district where we're at, we're in District 6, and that's Sam Graves, okay? And Sam Graves has been our representative since he was elected back in 2000. <laughs> and so there's, I mean, I, I kind of I agree with you guys that we we have to look at one of the things that we have to we have to view is what is going to keep give people a fair representation. You know, when you go back to the argument, when you read the Federalist Papers, you know, when you read what James Madison wrote, and James Madison uh, was, you know, give the power to the people as a whole, let them decide how you know things are going to work who was opposite of him was a guy by the name of James Wilson, who was, a, uh, was, I think he was from Pennsylvania and James and, and his whole thing was, you know, okay, we're going to let the people do it. It needs to be based upon representation. You can't, it's gotta be, you know, let the people and he's kind of, he was kind of with Madison, but at the same time he was kind of, he was more, man, we're just going to do free for all. And so I don't know if there is a, true solution to this but gerrymandering has been a as alex said earlier is a problem that we've had since the history of the republic so i don't know so um moving on i guess unless you guys do you guys have any other things that you wanted to add to this uh not really i i i kind of want to go back really quick i really liked Alex, your idea with the whole AI thing, and we just had a conversation about AI, <laughs> but I, I really think that could be a valid solution that would get rid of any like human error or bias or whatever. But on the flip side, I can understand people being a little skeptical too, because like, hey, well, who says the algorithm or AI can't be manipulated to create these districts too? You know, but absolutely, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. This is like. Like Andy said, this is a really complicated situation. I don't know what's right or wrong, but I trust that our Supreme Court made the right decision. Um, I would say the fact that a, a majority conservative uh, um, court ruled this I, against something a lot, a lot of people are surprised by this ruling. So well, something like that. I, I two things I want to bring up, and I and 
I heard a, I heard a, um, I was watching a comedian this week. I let something <clears throat> popped up and he, he said, well, you've got to believe in some com- conspiracy theories. He said, you know, are there people out there who actually believe, oh, everything is up and up with what the government does. They're, they're totally transparent and they, they're not trying to hide anything from us, you know? <laughs> and so, I, I mean, you don't have to be the head mechanic at Jiffy Lube to know that there is a, that there's a, alter, there, there's an ulterior motive going on here, you know? But, uh, and the second thing I want to point out, we mentioned the Voting Act, the Equal Rights Voting Act 1968, uh, the last week of school, and I recommend this movie to everybody to watch, um, very historically accurate movie, it's called Selma, it was about the uh, Selma March, uh, the March from Selma to Birmingham, Alabama, done by Martin Luther King, it was three attempts, basically because they were basically being kept from voting, and it was basically the back and forth between Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, Lyndon Johnson, the various sheriffs in that state, in that, in those counties in Alabama, and how, and so Alabama has a, has a history of limiting black voters. And I think that's why this became such a big issue. Yeah. And with race being such a heightened topic right now, a discussion, I think that kind of just fit the bill. Well, can you, and let, and I mean, obviously we're three white guys sitting here talking about this in the Midwest and we're talking about race issues, but I, I really, and this is what, this is what flies up in, in the face of a lot of conservatives is that, and I'm not, you know, my go, my go-to, my go-to is my 89-year-old father who lived through the Depression, who lived through the Civil Rights Movement, who thought Dr. King was a rebel rouser. Everywhere Dr. King went, he, when he left, there was a, you know, there was always a riot. He started riots. And when I wrote my senior research paper on Martin Luther King, and I had to have three interviewed sources. One of them happened to be my father because my dad was still in, my dad was in the military. He was, he was drafted for the Korean war. He never went to Korea, but he was part of the, uh, uh, unit that was brought up to, uh, Little Rock when they, when, when they integrated their school system in, in Little Rock. And my dad said, well, you know, everywhere Dr. King was, there was a riot. And so you have that, that older half of the conservative generation who, who will say, who will say ignorantly, well, they got their voting rights and they got their civil rights. What more do they want? You know, and to me, racism, I mean, racism is still played out in this country, both ways, both ways, white versus black, black versus white. And to me, the greatest challenge we have is is looking past the race card. We're we're never. I don't. And maybe I'm being too pessimistic about this, but I don't ever believe that we're going to get past the race card. I think that when you look at this gerrymandering situation, people are going to say, "Well, if you're redrawing the district, you're just redrawing it to favor the white people," which is true. They are. Okay. But at the same time, how else are you going to do it? All right. When you say, okay, well, you're police racially profile, which they do. But again, at the same time, who, you know, white people are committing crimes just as much as black people. So there's an issue there. 
I mean, I mean, is do we honestly think? I mean, even though we here we are in the middle of Pike County, Missouri, and and in Cook County, Chicago, is do you? I mean, and Travis, you probably see more up your way. I mean, do you still believe that we have a state of race a racist nation in today or not? Uh, I've just listened to a podcast kind of talking about this stuff recently. Um. Man, I, I, it's hard for me to say that. I mean, growing up, I definitely saw some things that were obviously racist. Um, heard some things that were obviously racist. Um, so obviously, it still exists. Um, to what extent, or like how, is it as big as the news claims it to be? Is it like, I don't know. And someone who was raised in the city who is a different ethnicity to me would probably say something very opposite of me because I don't have that experience. I don't know what it was like growing up in that neighborhood. I don't know what it's like dealing with cops and being an African-American male at 15 years old. I don't know that. Um, so I can't say that it doesn't exist because there's so many people that have or talk about these issues that like grew up in these neighborhoods and like deal with this kind of stuff. So it's hard for me to to kind of deny it because, again, I don't have that experience. But I, I still think the news probably overblows this, and it kind of goes into that whole, like, dividing us. Like we, we've talked about it. It's like a big topic we always come back to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I truly – I don't think it's as bad as the news says. I think most people generally look at us – look at each other as humans i truly do believe that maybe i'm way too optimistic but i i find it silly that it's 2023 and race is still a topic of we're talking potentially voting rights issues right now or whatever the case is it seems like it keeps coming back up and i i don't i i just think it's silly i don't know why it's still a topic of debate alex what do you think yeah, um, I mean, I think I absolutely think race is. Do I, you know, do I think America is a racist nation? No, um, but do I think race is still a factor in a lot of our society? As far as far as a lot of our societal norms, a lot of our institutions, of course, it is, um, and that's because for the first 200 years of our existence, we, I would say we were a racist nation. Um, and I think, you know, that stuff is probably going to take 10 more generations, um, for us to work through. And so I, you know, I, I just think it's always going to be something even on a subconscious level that plays a part in the decisions our leaders are making. Um, and even on, on, on a day-to-day basis, but I, I am with Travis on this one. You know, I think, I truly think on a person to person level, um, I would, I would be shot. I would say it's gotta be less than one tenth of 1% of the population is racist on a face to face person to person level. Um, I think once you get down to that level, it's, it's much more about truly, uh, the content of one's character. Um, it's, it's really only, um, on these larger issues and where you, you don't have a face or you don't have a name of a per, of a specific person that you're thinking about um, that we see these issues. But, you know, race is always going to be here. But I, I, I really do think that 
Americans deep down on a personal level um, are able to put race aside. Mm -hmm. When you look at the makeup and I just, you know, I, I brought up our two areas that we talked about. When I look up at the population makeup of Cook County, Illinois, uh, this was from the 2020 census. <laughs> this is from census.gov. Uh, Cook County, Illinois, 65.2% white, 23.7% black, 0.8% uh, American Indian, and 8.1% Asian. When I look at Pike County, Missouri, here you go, 91.2% white, 6.2% black, 0.3% uh, uh, Native American, 0.4% Asian, which my kids are probably, you know, 0.1% <laughs> of that. So, you know, um, but no, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you guys. There's, there's, there's definitely, this is definitely an issue that is, is going to be something that's going to plague us for a while. I think that it's going to be something that has to be addressed this gerrymandering thing. Um, but, uh, one other thing that we want to bring up tonight, and this is, a, this wasn't an, an issue that was going to take up a ton of time, but we did want to mention this tonight and other news today, new news, new news, new news, uh, Biden, uh, this actually was yesterday, Joe Biden vetoed the bill to cancel student debt relief. And this was part of, if you all remember, this was part of the, navigation through the whole debt ceiling crisis that we talked about. What was that, Travis? Three weeks ago, we talked about the whole debt ceiling thing, I believe it was. Yeah, I think it was three weeks ago. Yeah, and weeks. so this was part of that, you know, okay, well, we need to consider this. And you actually had what was what was really unique about this was that you actually had uh, some Democrats who crossed the aisle to support this bill in the House and I think in the Senate as well. And it got to Joe Biden's desk and he said, nope, not going to happen. And it looks like we could see uh, another Supreme Court probably decision come up with this uh, soon that uh, there's a, you know, that we, you know, that we should, that this should be overturned, that we, you know, hey, college kids pay for your college debt. Um, so that's what they're they're going to decide whether the payments have to be returned or not. Well, so this is what that so, was going to come down to. Well, or? I think what it right now it's 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 what Joe Biden this again started during COVID. Um, what the so as I'm reading this, if this legal challenge, if enacted, Biden's plan would forgive up to Biden what he wants to do, what he wants to do would forgive debt up to $20,000 in federal student loan debt for borrowers making less than $125,000 a year, okay? And as we know, student loans were paused during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but on the current schedule that we're looking at right now, I think those will end in, uh, I want to say in August. It's either July or August, I believe that those that 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 will the whatever you want to call it the moratorium or whatever you want to call it on student de debt and so i don't think it's going to be hey you have to pay that money back but i think it's going to be basically saying enough is enough we're gonna we need to move on and so i'm gonna ask the younger guys in the room since i've paid off my college debt and i'm already biased so i'm gonna ask what your guys's thought is on the on this 
Uh, I'll be quick. I think this is 100% uh, Biden trying to appeal to that demographic voter, like that age group of people, um, because I think economically it makes absolutely no sense. Like we're a country and however much trillion we're talking we're having debt ceiling meetings right now. I'm trying not to default, you know, so it's like it, it doesn't make any sense for us to pay that, like uh, us meaning like taxpayers or the government or wherever the money's coming from. Um, I paid my student loans, so it's kind of like, you know, I, I paid them. Why can't you figure out how to pay them? Like I went overseas to pay off mine. Like, <laughs> I don't know, figure it out. Like, I, it's, I don't know. I just, I don't agree with that. The handout thing. I just, I don't. And I, I, I really just think Biden's trying to give voters here. Alex, what do you think? Yeah. So I'm going to put on two hats here. First, my taxpayer had American citizen had. Um, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with Travis. Um, it makes zero sense economically. It, um, I mean, just on a fundamental fairness level, it doesn't seem fair to people that have either already paid their student debt, people that didn't take student debt out, or for people in the future that are going to take student debt out. Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem fair to just forgive it to the people that have debt outstanding right now. Um, in addition, we we simply cannot afford it. I mean, the U United States government cannot afford to do that. Um, and then, on and it's very clearly a political move. Um, I mean, it is 100% just the, the Biden administration and the Democrats trying to buy the votes of the younger generation. That is... It's it's very obviously. Did you see that. Alex? Did you see that thing about uh, Biden's um, uh, political team or whatever? They were looking to reach out to like influencers on like TikTok and Instagram and try to like connect with them to help promote their message. It's like part of their like campaign uh, strategy, I guess. No, I, I don't know. If you, I don't know if you saw that. So that was something I read a while back, and then I. I think it kind of ties into this as like, you know, who is your your influencer that's going to be on social media like saying go Biden? Probably your college kid that doesn't want to yeah. pay, you know, well, his debts me, or I, I don't know. Let There's me let me let me play devil's advocate here real quick. Please do. All right. So if I am a, I let's say that I majored in, um, I majored in. Trying to think of something that I majored in. Okay, I just have a liberal arts degree. I have a liberal arts degree, and mm -hmm. I have. Let's say that I have forty. Let's say I have fifty thousand dollars worth of debt. I'm in a job that is making. I'll just use my. You know, actually, let me just back up a little bit. I'm a. I'll just go with my own. My own. My own thing. Let's say that I, since I am a teacher, okay. And Missouri is middle of the list on teacher salaries. We are, I think, 20, 26, 27, somewhere in there on teacher salaries. All right. And based on today's numbers, I take out, uh, I have $60,000 in federally financed loans. But I'm making $55,000 a year. And I'm a single, let's just say that I'm a single teacher. Okay. And I live in, I live in, Pike County, Missouri, okay, making $52,000 a year. Am I right to say that, man, I could use this leg up and this this can help me, 
I'm, I'll go from I'll go from the bottom up theory of of economics, not trickle down, but bottom up. And when I say, okay, if if you forgive my federal debt, then then I can start contributing more to the economy by by you know purchasing and and you know committing more to the economy. Is that a bad thing or is that a wrong approach to take? No, no, it's it's no. You're you're right. And I said I was going to put on two hats, and my second hat was my hey, it's me, Alex Ellison hat. And um, because, you know, I do still have tens of thousands of dollars in student debt um, that, you know, I've been I've been paying steadily on for the last, mm, I've been out of law school for eight years and I've been paying steadily on them. Um, but I, I still owe a lot of money. And so, you know, while I don't think it's the right thing for the nation, hey, if, if everybody else is getting their student loan for, forgiven, I'm not about to miss that boat either. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to take advantage of it, and yes, it would be a big help, and it would would allow it. It would make it a lot easier to to buy a home, or um, you know, maybe I could invest invest in something, buy some rental property, and fix it up. You know, there's a lot of things that young people could do with that money, um, and like I said, on a very personal, selfish level. Yes, I would love it if 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 my forty five thousand dollars of student debt was forgiven overnight, I would I would cry and and fall <laughs> on my knees in front of a picture of Joe Biden. Um, that's a that's a fair point though. That, oh. that think about like people that say I don't I don't know how much a monthly payment is for some of these student loan bills. I mean, some of these student loans are like another mortgage like two mm-hmm. equivalent of like two vehicles that's a lot of money every month so I, I wonder like yeah if you were someone who's like 23 years old working a fifty thousand dollar a year job and you are able to clear up a four hundred dollar a month payment i mean yes yeah, now you add that up all the other people in that situation that's a lot of money that could potentially go into the economy and so maybe I, people can buy houses or maybe they can, you know. And the way I look at this, um, so I was I was I was blessed when I went through school to qualify for Pell Grants. Um because back in the nineties, my we were my dad is a mission pastor, we were making well under poverty line and i'm not saying this to be braggadocious by any means but i we were well with under we were well under the poverty line and a large part of my education was funded through scholarships and pell grants and i walked out of, now again this is in 1992 through 96 money but i walked out with about four grand four forty five hundred in in loans i paid that off it took me uh 2005 2006 i believe and back then that was at about that was like i remember my payment was like 375 a month and that was that was quite a chunk of my check back then and you but my wife my wife's dad my wife's my father-in-law before he paid you know he was a union pipe fitter totally different income range all right and as a union pipe fitter he was he was making cash and so my wife came out with I think she ended up having like twenty two, twenty three thousand dollars in in uh, student loans. And again, nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six money. We paid that off the third or fourth year of our marriage, which was about two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Okay, 
and she graduated in 95. So we, we, we paid ours off and in, and I think this, and this is a topic that we need to cover again. I, I want to, we've never, I don't think we've ever approached this topic. We, we have talked about minimum wage and stuff like that, but I mean, when it comes down to, if you're making, if you're not in a minimum wage job, you're in a, you're in a white collar job or you're in a, you know, a blue collar union job that makes, I'm not going to say crazy money, but you're making enough to pay your bills. I think part of it is person. It's personal responsibility because, you know, we're not going to get a, we're not going to get a bill passed tomorrow that says, Hey, we're going to forgive all car and truck payments. You know, I made the choice to buy a 2016 Dodge Ram that I'll have paid off in about three more years. Okay. I made that decision. I made the decision in 1992 to go to a private institution, Hannibal LaGrange College. I didn't go to a state in, and back in, and back in 1992, it was $10,000 a semester. Okay. Now, which is for time for inflation. You look at what it is today. You know, I made that decision. I went and basically what I did was I went with who, who offered me. I, I applied to a number of different, like you guys, you know, I went to a number of different universities, applied to a number of different universities and I went with who was going to give me the best deal. You know, and it was Hannibal Green. Yeah, you know, one interesting statistic I want to share here, and this, like you were talking, this could be a great topic for another episode. Uh, credit card debt in America, 2023. America's total credit card balance is $986 billion in the first quarter of 2023. It's projected to hit a trillion dollars this wow. year. Wow. America has American wow. tr- a trillion dollars in credit card debt. So the topic of debt, I think other than our nation's debt and how do we handle this, this issue. I think that'd be a good discussion. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with, you know, I'm, I, if you would have, if you would have came and I will, and I will confess this, I will confess this. I was able to pay off my college debt a lot sooner because I had a car accident and I was, re, I was basically, I could have sued the pants off the lake cause she was totally at fault. I settled for her to pay my hospital bill and I got a $50,000 settlement out of it. And I used that $50,000 settlement to pay off my college debt. And I used it also to get my master. I paid for my master's degree. You know, I finished my master's degree in 2005 and, and then what I had left over that money was put forward to help pay off. I mean, it wasn't a lot left, but I used that to put forward on my wife's college debt. So, you know, it is what it is. And I, and I, part of it is, and, and this is what quite frankly pisses a lot of younger kids off when I say this, you have to make the decision, you know, I mean, we, and it's, a, this is another difficult topic to address. And I'd like to, ha- I still want to have our panel of seniors on one day, Travis, just to, you know, Hey, okay. What do you, what do you want to do with, in college? And there are some people who say, well, you know, I want to, I like a couple of years ago, I heard a senior say, you know, I want to go do a, go into music therapy. Okay. What does that look like? Well, music therapy, you know, you, you play music to help people with PTSD and all this other stuff. Okay. How many of those programs are out there? Well, it's still, you know, and so you're wanting to get into something that is highly, you know, I'm, you know, I want to go to school to be an underwater basket weaver. Like my dad always used to say, you know, I want to, I want to do that, but okay. What's the market for that? 
so do you go with what your dream is or do you go where the money is? And that's that's kind of what I think it comes down to. And some of these kids are like, well, I wanted to do this and it didn't turn out as I wanted. So, I, you know, now I need help paying off my debt. And that's I think that's where a lot of these kids are at. So I could do three hours on that. This topic we're on now. I, I love talking that kind of stuff. We got to we got to come back to that. Yep. So anyway, as always. Counselor, it was good having you on this evening. We thank you for your input. Uh, we one of these days we will get you into the room at the same time when Sean is here, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, so but you are. I th I actually think you know Saturday Night Live has like their their five host club. I believe if I if I check my records correctly, correctly, I believe this is your fifth time being on. The He's been on the most. Yes. Yeah, so I you. You are you are by far you know a, pop, you a popular. Thank, you, thank you for coming on. We love having you on. We know you're a loyal listener. Martin Martin Hanley's right behind you, so you're in good company. So you know he's yes, and company. you know and Edelman's up there too. So you know you're in good company. But uh, thank you for joining, uh, uh, being with us tonight. We appreciate your time and uh, you know go catch some bad guys for us to, and uh, you know keep the streets of uh, Pike County safe for us. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, and I will. I tell you what, I'll, I'll make you a special deal. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll cut my hourly rate in half for my time tonight. So, oh, yes. the, the invoice won't be as large. Yeah, you know, you you've helped me out of so many legal jams so already. You know, so. Um, anyway, so uh, Travis, anything else you want to say for tonight before we head off the air? Uh, I got nothing. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Definitely. We'll see you guys next time. Um, and uh, keep on uh, telling your friends about us. Look at Check out our reels on Facebook. Look for us on Instagram, YouTube. Please like and subscribe on uh, TikTok. That way we can add actually add a live broadcast on TikTok, which is kind of my goal to get to. So uh, look at us, and, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Have a great weekend, and we will see you all next time. Bye, guys.